Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. I'm Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal State House team. And unlike everyone else in Kansas government this week, I am not resigning. Jason, are you? I am not. We are both marked safe. We are both marked safe. Jason Tidd, my better half with the with the Cab Journal's State House team. John Hannon, the Associated Press, he's with us. He has not resigned either. No, 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 no. We can't uh, get rid of you that easy, right, John? <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, you're stuck with me. Well, we're very happy we are. Uh, well, the three of us have not resigned, but there was an awful lot of folks who did this week. There was uh, a high level of resignation this week. The great resignation, you called it, John. I, think. <laughs> I like that. We, we had a whole series of people resigning from things this week. Uh, one from the legislature, one from the governor's office, one from the attorney general's office, and one from KU Law, who happens to be a Supreme Court justice. Well, why don't we start with that with Justice Caleb Stegall. Stegall? Stegall? Stegall. Stegall. Justice, Justice Caleb Although it Stiegel. doesn't work with the Kansans for Life slogan, reject all but... And I, it's supposed to be reject all but Stegall, but it is Stegall. Justice Stegall, uh, Jason, you want to talk us through kind of what happened there? Because this is probably the most unique of all the resignations. A, a resignation that was that was not brought on by uh, by being tired with his job, but, but rather something that happened uh, a month or so yeah, ago. And uh, Justice Caleb Stegall still has his job as a justice. Yeah, very uh, important to note. Yes. yes. It, it, he is still one of seven on the Kansas Supreme Court bench. Uh, and he also won his retention election last month. Uh, 73%, but, if yeah, I'm recalling correctly. Uh, but he had a side job, a part-time job, as an instructor at the University of Kansas. Uh where he worked it, it, he, in the law school. He worked every he taught a class every fall semester starting in 2017 through this just recently uh, completed course that he did this fall. He was paid uh, $10,200 per semester. And he resigned in a six-page resignation letter, which if you think that Single is space. long for a resignation letter, you would be correct. <laughs> uh, and Justice Deagle is not known for being pithy. He is known for being uh, verbose. Yes. Well, now, see, I, col colorfully verbose, I think. Well, I mean, I, I would say he's more known for, for uh, and he didn't do it in this letter, he's more known for his allusions to literature and. Well, he referenced. Hebrew Jewish uh, Talmudic, text. yeah, text. The, the Talmud. Um, he's, he's. I, I mean, I have seen past writings where uh, he referenced Gargantua and Pantagruel. Um, I think. Um, I think in one of his opinions, didn't he? Was he the one who referenced Animal Farm? <laughs> that sounds right. I mean, nothing will ever be better than Wyandotte County District Court Judge uh, Clapper in the redistricting decision who referenced his own father 
the Buddha and the Rock Band Kansas, but we digress. But, so, we digress. So, so, Andrew, what could possibly inspire known a six-page resignation? He's letter? known for being thorough in his opinions. Well, we'll he put knew, it that and way. he was thorough in this one. And and what prompted this controversy actually was about a month ago um, at KU Law, the Federalist Society, generally conservative, conservative group on, on law school campuses, had a speaker from uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a a very conservative Christian uh, legal organization, probably the most prominent of its kind in the country. Very well known, files lots of lawsuits on abortion, opposing LGBT rights. The issue here was that it it opposes LGBTQ rights. Um, Its founders have have taken positions that uh, a lot of folks, particularly in the LGBTQ community, object to against uh, same-sex marriage, and they have a lot of very strong opinions on transgender rights, uh, not in favor of them, uh, very strongly opposed to, for example, letting transgender athletes compete in girls and women's sports. Um, they, the critics of the group have argued that they, um, they denigrate trans people, demonize, that was the word, uh, that I saw in in connection uh, with this, some of the criticism. And so that there was a protest, a kind of a counter celebration to this event in October. And there was a discussion about whether students, LGBTQ students felt safe on campus um, with this event occurring. And uh, an associate dean, I think, or an associate, I think it was associate dean, an administrator, sent around an email the day before the event saying that this group, its its positions do not align with our value, and then added a statement about the university condemning hate speech. And uh, The implication that Justice Stiegel took away was that the university was equating the Federalist Society, these students who were putting on the event with being purveyors of hate speech. And there he, also allegedly was a meeting where administrators attempted to get the students to cancel the event. There, there's some dispute about what that meeting was about and whether it was an attempt to pressure, whether it was a, an attempt to get the students to cancel the meeting, whether it was a warning about you know, if you bring these people to campus, you will be associated with their positions, whether it was pressure or not. But Justice Stiegel saw it as an attempt to pressure um, the these students into canceling their event. And uh, in his letter, he suggested that they had been made pariahs. Regardless, the event still went on. It the did. must go on. Uh and nothing was canceled. And a month later, our Supreme Court justice resigned his teaching position there. Saying basically he doesn't want to associate himself in this manner with the university that that does not allow for a more yes, freer he, exchange of ideas. He, 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 dec- he decried what he called a closed and stifling climate at the law school. Those were his words. And he suggested 
that he didn't want to continue teaching in an atmosphere of potential hostility. And by waiting a month from the event till resignation, uh, it allowed him to get his law school classes finished or closer to completion. Yeah, he. I mean, he did. He. I think he said in the letter he. Part, he now that the classes classes were over, he wasn't going to be disrupting anything by taking this step. Um, we should say uh, Justice Stiegel is the lone consistently conservative voice on the Kansas Supreme Court. We've talked about him in this podcast before. You might know him from such hits as the redistricting decision handed down in July by the Kansas Supreme Court. Well, and and yes, the the decision, the four to three decision, he was the author of it that said uh, essentially that the Kansas Constitution does not. Uh, prohibit political gerrymandering and adopting a pretty high standard for racial gerrymandering claims under the Kansas Constitution. In addition, we should note that in the 6-1 to decision in 2019 declaring access to abortion a fundamental right under the Kansas Constitution, Justice Stiegel was the dissenter. I believe he was also the one who mentioned the Handmaid's Tale in his opinion on that uh, case. To further, I guess, drive home the point from earlier. Well, and, that, that, I, and that was before it was a Hulu hit. Well, and and uh, I, the quote I remember from his dissenting opinion was something about uh, kind of uh, chiding the majority for for acting like it was creating a utopia through its decision and saying, you know, one imagines in this utopia every time a, a, a fetus, a baby gets its arm ripped off during an abortion, the Liberty Bell rings. Uh, some, uh, th- there was an allusion to the Liberty Bell. So a pretty, pretty strongly worded dissent there. So to transition from our uh, judicial branch to the executive branch. Yes, let's go to uh, the other co-equal, the the second of three co-equal branches of government. Although, of course, as we know, Kansas has a fourth branch of state government, the State Board of Education, not implicated anywhere here. But go ahead, Jason. uh, Laura Kelly has lost a member of her cabinet. Uh, Depart- she, she didn't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 D- Department of Transportation Secretary Lorenz, uh, Julie Lorenz, is leaving to return to private industry. Uh, she had been with Kelly since the beginning, uh, since 2019. And uh, she told me when I asked her uh, this week that leaving now gives a chance for a new secretary to come in, have a full four years. It sets them up better for this second administration. Well, and and the main, not that running a state agency isn't an ongoing challenge, it is, but the, uh, I mean, the biggest thing at the Department of Transportation, arguably, the, 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 uh, high the the trans ten year transportation program adopted in 2020. I mean, she was a key figure in that, and um, and now the department's job is to administer that program and keep it rolling and and make sure there's enough money to do all the projects and well, uh, the, and- the added wrinkle of the federal infrastructure money, which. 
Yeah, it's not. But normal but the point is, she in. she did the she did a lot of the heavy lifting of working with legislators to get that program set up. And what was unusual about this latest uh, transportation program is it was not accompanied by uh, a big tax increase, which is accompanied the others. There was a lot of discussion of being able to do it within the existing revenue flows. And of course, the infrastructure package helps with that. Um, And there was also uh, a decision to set aside a certain piece of the three things that stood out. One piece was uh, an ability to fast track some project to get them in the pipeline quickly. The second was authorization to do new toll roads and toll lanes on existing highways, which was interesting. And then the third thing is there, I think there was about $85 million over 10 years for infrastructure to support rural broadband. Well, the the deputy secretary is also uh, retiring after decades uh, with the agency. Uh, But... Secretary Lorenz uh, was clearly liked by members of both parties. Uh, she got bipartisan praise uh, at what might have been her last committee meeting uh, earlier this week. And uh, contractors, and so people who work in the private side of the industry, also praised her as she was resigning. So uh, perhaps it is because people across the board like to have highways in their districts uh but she was well liked and respected well and 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 understand too that uh, it's not just the highways um these programs have also tended to be viewed as economic stimulus packages in the sense that you authorize these projects and suddenly there are temporarily construction jobs and more permanently a little better, a, you know, little easy, making it a little easier to move traffic and goods by truck. And in some cases, y- you know, you can get some development along newly fixed up highways or if there's a new interchange or something like that. Um, well, we also should say that Secretary Lorenz was also in tasked with lead. She was kind of the czar for the... Um, COVID-19 aid yes. that the state got way back in 2020, um, that process, uh, which is not necessarily a natural fit for a transportation secretary, but I think in some ways it does make sense given that that agency gets a lot of federal money. She, you know, I think by all accounts- Well, it was also was a sign- her leadership on that sure, as well. Sure. And also it was clearly a sign of confidence from the governor in her abilities- um, as a cabinet secretary, and this, you know, this this can this can happen when a governor wins re-election. There are always going to be at least a few people in the administration who, you know, came from private business and either were capping off a private business career with public service or deciding to be in pub- be in government for a short term to and then go back. Um, and then there are other people in the cabinet who stay almost all eight years. Now, what's likely to happen is as we get closer to the end of the second term, we're going to see 
more turnover just because people understand the administration is ending and, you know, but that's several years down the road. Well, and we should say this is not in the governor's administration, but is a high-level, very visible position. Um, Kirk Thompson, director of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, announced earlier this week he is resigning, uh, retiring. Retiring, and that's also not unusual for KBI directors to having served an attorney general when that attorney general is leaving office to also retire. I mean, frankly, they tend to get to be... Uh, KBI director after a pretty significant career in law enforcement. It's not a job that usually goes to a 30-year-old. Right. Well, and and that's certainly true for uh, Director Thompson. He yeah. had been in there since 2011 when Derek Schmidt, uh, the outgoing AG, took office. He uh, was kind of a lifer in the KBI coming over, I believe, from the Barden County uh, Sheriff's Department. And his departure is significant for one big reason, and that is it will give uh, incoming Attorney General Chris Kobach a big decision to make. Uh, It sounds like they have several names they are considering. I'm told that some of them are names listeners definitely will know. Uh, One strongly rumored is Tony Mativi, who Kobach beat in the Republican primary. Uh, Mr. Mativi was cagey about it when I asked him earlier this week, but it... um, that's that's interesting because his background is has been as a mostly as a federal prosecutor, right? And you know, it's a rumor. You know, there are definitely. It, it sounds like he applied. There are definitely other people who applied. So you know, we should be getting that at some point. Unclear if it'll be before uh, the attorney general elect is sworn in or not. Well, and uh, John and I, uh, the day before the election, uh, attorney general elect now uh chris kobach uh was in topeka and we asked him if there were any plans to have tony mativi in his administration and uh kobach seemed pretty open to the idea and like yeah he was very open to the idea of giving uh tony mativi a very big role a significant role um he he didn't elaborate on if that would be within the attorney general's office itself or in the KBI, which is under the Attorney General. Well, and and the KBI is, is of course, important because uh, of its laboratories, which assist law enforcement agencies across uh, the state in reviewing uh, forensic evidence. And in in addition to that, the the KBI is often often investigating things like um, shootings of suspects by law enforcement officers in, in, in the line of duty, that sort of thing. So, or investigations that smaller yes. um, law enforcement agencies cannot handle themselves, get, yeah. get turned over. So that would be kind of an interesting one um, to watch. It is Senate confirmable. So Yeah. What, what's interesting is the KBI is... It's not exactly like in other states they have the state police, like I think Massachusetts has a state police. Does Pennsylvania have yeah. a state police? Yep. Because there's also the Highway Patrol, which right. is under the governor. Um, but it does perform some of those functions. And, you know, it does have, a, f- I think, a fairly good reputation in terms of professionalism and, and um you know, in terms of executing its duties. Well, and should we move over to our final branch of government, our final resignation? Um, 
This one was an interesting one. Uh, Senator Gene Solentrop uh, of Wichita announced, uh, well, at first I think he kind of notified leadership he would be planning on resigning after the first of the year. Yeah, January 2nd, I think he said. Yeah, and that was confirmed by his resignation letter to the Secretary of State's office, which is important because it triggers the process to replace him. Notably, unlike in other states, this is not done by a special election. Instead, the precinct committee people in the relevant area, in this case, the district, Cedric County, yeah. Yeah, the district. Uh, will assemble to pick the nominee of the same party. Um, why don't we focus on that first, and then maybe we can talk a bit more about it. Well, actually, Senator Sullentrop had a, had a fairly lengthy career in Topeka. What he 13 will, years. What he will probably be known for, and I think this was in all of our leads, was his arrest for driving the wrong way, uh, intoxicated. Uh, in on I-70. Yeah, I-70 and 470 on the interstates that loop around Topeka, yes. Going the wrong way at speeds, according to the law enforcement reports, at speeds of up to 90 miles an hour. Nobody was hurt, but uh, there were... There were some it, close calls. There was... Uh, the, you could hear... Um, if you listen to the radio tapes of it, you hear people, and I'm going to clean it up because we don't want trouble with the FCC, but basically saying things like, holy cow, this guy's going the wrong way. Um, you, that sort of thing. And, um, at the time we should say he was Senate majority leader. He yes. was kind of, I he was, was forced to resign. Yeah, yeah. That position. But, but not... Immediately, it yeah. There was, was a, there was after, a bit of a gap. Um, details came out in the about three affidavit, weeks after, uh, yeah, including the detail that he allegedly called the state trooper Donut Boy. And I know that was at issue during the during the criminal proceedings. Eventually, he would plead guilty to no contest, no contest. Yes, sorry, that's to right. uh, misdemeanor DUI and reckless driving but not felony reckless driving but not is, felony yeah. the felony he was charged with was elude, attempting to elude law enforcement and it was a plea deal the judge did find him guilty after he pleaded no contest he spent two days in jail which is fairly standard for a, a first-time DUI offense he what there was there was more jail time but it was suspended he was put on a year's probation but he was released early from that probation this july and i should say what he said to the associated press in an email was that he had uh decided that it he'd been in the legislature long enough and at this point in his life there were more important things than serving in the legislature Fair enough. but by making this decision uh late November-ish, it means that instead of residents of his area of Northeast Wichita, I believe. You uh, lived there, so I'm going to defer to you. I was not in you. Oh, no. No, it's, Actually, it is no, North. I th- maybe it was Northwest Wichita. I think it's Northwest, because yeah. Colwich, Colwich and those areas, the Natan- be, be, are Because in I a- think when I lived in Wichita, I lived in uh, Solentrop's district and uh, Dan Hawkins's district, so I was in the majority leader district for uh, both Indeed. chambers. Uh, but 
by resigning at this point, it means that local Republican officials, uh, Republican establishment, perhaps to some people, uh, will choose. Well, that's his a loaded. That's a, now we're getting into like loaded gun territory. Uh, and there has been one name that has risen to the top. Yeah, that is Chase Blasey, who was senior aide to Senate President Ty Masterson before he departed. And he also was... Uh, he and also, Susan Wagle. And Susan Wagle, the previous president. Also from Wichita. Also from Wichita. Um, uh, Blasey departed earlier this year for the private sector, going to work for Evergy. It sounded like he would be interested. He confirmed that earlier this week. He's um, got Masterson's endorsement. He did. Masterson sent a letter to... Uh, precinct committee people urging their support. I have not heard of any other confirmed candidates. That doesn't mean they don't exist. Well, and, and, and at one point in. there was a suggestion that uh, Terry Bruce, who was a former state Senate majority leader, lost his seat in 2016, would do it. He said, when I asked him about it, he said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> He's good with retirement. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, He's doing family stuff, basically. I mean, this is significant potentially because it would just mean a, a former top ally of the Senate president would be returning to the chamber in an admittedly very different role. Um, you know, I think uh, it would. Um, well, it would also it would also set Chase Blasey up in terms of he would hold the seat for two years, right. which would make him the incumbent when he would have to run again in 2024. So he would have a record under his belt that can be good or bad, but, you know, he could, I mean, uh, he could be pursuing things the district needs. He could be establishing himself as a, you know, conservative Republican, he could have some legislative accomplishments. I mean, having worked for two Senate presidents, uh, obviously he has some understanding of how the legislative process works. I mean, I, I may understate that just a little bit. But. Well, and we should say this is not a district where Democrats are typically competitive, although I, at the top of my head, I I can't remember what changed in the district exactly in redistricting, but it's one where Solentrop won overwhelmingly. Yeah, um, two two years ago. Well, and it's it's yeah, it's a, a a Republican area of Wichita married to conservative rural areas, so it it's a pretty good district for Republicans. Now, you know, if he had been the nominee in twenty twenty four, I'm sure the the DUI case would be a major issue. But it would be more likely to have been a major issue in a primary. Challenge That's true, which election. we saw this cycle, right, Jason? Yeah, we saw three other members of the legislature, or, or uh, is it two other members of the legislature? No, three. Three. Yeah, three who have had legal troubles uh, in the past two years are departing, uh, and not voluntarily. Uh, we have... They all lost primaries, right? Yeah. Uh, two Republicans, one Democrat. Uh, from Clay Center, we had... Uh, Susie Carlson lost to a gentleman, Bill Bloom. Uh, she, Representative Carlson, uh, a former judge. Current judge still. She's a uh, municipal judge in Wakefield. Uh, she was arrested in Topeka on a DUI charge just a few blocks from the Capitol, I believe. Yeah, down Topeka Boulevard, I think. Um, uh, 
but she was not driving the wrong way or speeding on the interstate. Uh, to a well, and then Representative Mark Sampsel, uh, an attorney um, from Wellsville, from Wellsville, who was charged with I, I can't remember the exact. I think it was battery. Battery. But yes. I think he pleaded down to disorderly conduct or something to that effect. Something. I think another case of a felony charge. He was with a misdemeanor plea. Can can we discuss what he was alleged to have done? He he. Um, We'll just say he kicked a student allegedly during while substitute teaching at a, the local a, high school. A male student between the legs. Yes, that would be the kind way to put it. Well, and I think there was some mental health questions about some mental health and, issues, and part of the uh, actions also included uh, religious commentary and. Uh, uh, discussion of sexual acts and then just to finish it off representative aaron coleman um had, uh, uh, alleged a battery democrat from kansas city democrat from kansas city yeah alleged battery with respect to his brother got diversion uh he was arrested for dui but they never charged him with that yeah the, i think the blood test showed he was not but of course he came to the legislature with yeah. with um with uh, uh, some legal issues in his past i mean there was a revenge porn allegation that he acknowledged and at one point there was a criminal case involving an alleged threat to his high school i mean he was very young when all of this happened and uh his art his statements in explaining all this was that you know he had been a troubled teenager uh, he lost in the primary to Melissa Oropesa, also a Democrat, uh, who had uh, maybe an opponent in the general. She, she won the general election. All three of those candidates won the general election. Well, so. and and Coleman. The other thing we should note about Coleman is that the Democratic leadership, uh, both the political party and in the state house, disavowed Mr. Coleman, and they, the minority leader, did not give him any committee assignments. So that 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 does it for the resignations. We, did, I think for, we've got for them now, all. Though uh, there's still a month. Uh, yep, there, there might be more uh, people during this well, holiday and, season looking at what their future holds and potentially leaving the administration. Well, I mean, let's let's look at where there are new newly elected statewide officials. I mean, uh, uh, laying aside Governor Kelly, of course, who got reelected narrowly governors their second terms there there always seems to be some turnover but of course there's going to be a new attorney general chris kobach um that could mean changes in senior deputy positions there's going to be a new state treasurer uh stephen johnson defeated democrat lynn rogers so undoubtedly there will be some turnover in top positions in that office as well plenty to watch and you can watch it all resignations hirings and everything in between at cjonline.com or you can follow us on twitter at cjonline like us on facebook and jason you have a twitter still twitter's still going it has not resigned and my check mark was pre eight dollar verified days <laughs> uh don't know how long that check mark will last though uh yeah it's at jason underscore tid 
And you can find me at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. John, where can they find your work? Well, my work is at uh, www.apnews.com backslash, again, the hand motion, Kansas with a capital K. I am on Twitter. I would note that I did read some, I think it was, uh, maybe it was Fox Business or Fox News that had a story that essentially said uh, liberals are, are, uh, declaring the demise of Twitter, and here's why. Here's why they're why they are wrong, and Twitter will last forever. Um, but uh, I'm at APJD Hannah, and I mean, who knows? I'm not a Twitter. I'm I'm not a social media expert. So, and I all I know is what I read on the AP Wire. As a matter of fact, <laughs> famous TikToker APJD Hannah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have very many tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac videos. <laughs> Get off my lawn, you kid. <laughs> well, the, Somebody, that's the, the next frontier for this podcast is tic-tac, I think. Uh, I'm not going to dance, though. <laughs> I think we would really have to cut our talking much shorter to make it on. Yeah, you're right. But I, I could see you two dancing. I don't know, you know that the internet's ready for that. Can you do the, what is it, the Dougie or, you know? The internet's definitely not ready for that. The twerk, you're not going to twerk, I hope. Is that al- is that even allowed yeah, We might have company policy against that. See, I, I don't know much, I mean, I remember the Macarena, so, you know, that's how old I am. Um, hell, I remember the Charleston, but hey. For, for your statehouse news, come watch John Hanna perform the Macarena in the rotunda as he reads off his latest story. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. That requires rhythm, and I not only do I have no rhythm, I have negative rhythm. So if I'm in a group of people and it requires some kind of clapping or something, I throw everybody else off. You don't throw us off, John. I appreciate that. If you want to listen to back episodes of Chillin' in the State House for your holiday festivities. And you do. You really do, I think. Because it's our Christmas gift to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's things we've already done. <laughs> yes. Instead of singing Jingle Bells, our back podcasts, your back podcasts are, are the present. Uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are everywhere. Podcasts are found. You cannot escape chilling in the state house although we're so chill why would you want to escape us? yes why would you want to escape us jason andrew john andrew jason john <laughs> thank you gentlemen for coming on and that awkward pause means <laughs> it's time to wrap up we'll see the, you the all the music is coming folks it is we'll see you all down the road Have a great week. We'll see you around.